Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. If you're looking for more, check out thejesuslab.com. The Jesus Lab is a nine-month facilitated encounter with the finished work of Christ, and applications are open now. Check it out at thejesuslab.com. And I'm going to roll right into what the Lord spoke to me about for this week because it is about this. It's about having that common unity that we need, and I'm, I'm just... I want to give a little clarity because I see a bunch of new faces, some old friends. What's up, man? And I am um, really sold out to a certain process, okay? I know if you're here and you know TRP, you've been here for a while, you know this, but just bear with me for a second, okay? I'm sold out to hearing the word of the Lord every week for you. I don't like, oh, we have life groups coming up. I'm going to preach a sermon about doing life in groups. I don't... I'm, I'm not that guy. I can't even get there in my mind. If you tried to put me in that box, I would revolt and rebel. You know, I'm just not that guy. So I sit with the Lord every week. I do. And this is the word he said to me. I sat there. I was like, Lord, what do you want to say? And he said, common unity. I'm like, come again. Did you miss, misspeak? Did you try to say community, Lord? He's like, no. <laughs> it's just letting you into my process. This is a real conversation. <laughs> I'm never coming back here again. He said, no, common unity, common unity. And I started meditating on that, thinking about that, and I started receiving from the Lord some really important scripture about that. And this is just a thought I want to set you up with as we dive into it, okay? Here's the truth. The only thing that binds the free people together is love. You ever notice that you're, because of your freedom, you hate control. How many know that in Christ you're totally free? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's right. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Right. So are you free? Okay. Yeah. You're free. That means the church, and as we look in the scripture, church is supposed to be a bunch of free people doing the same type of things. Now, do you know how hard it is to lead free people? That's actually my job description. What do you do? I lead free people. <laughs> They're like, how? I'm like, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> it's not like herding cats. It's not. It's like herding charismatic cats, all right? One is shaking, one is shouting, one is laying, one is, I don't know what you're doing. The rest of us are looking. We're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's what it's like. But our common unity is actually the presence of God. Because God is love. The only thing that binds the free people together is love. And our common unity is the presence of the person of love. That's the one thing we can rally around, okay? Because we're here in this, in this room. This is why we do this this weekend, is to encounter Jesus together, right? You can carry God with you everywhere you go. You can, you can do whatever you're going to do throughout the week, and you can do it in the presence of God, Amen. Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But this is an encountering of the Spirit together as a family. And the Bible says you shall not, you should not forsake the gathering of one another, even as you see the day quickly approaching, right? The day of the Lord. So we should not forsake the gathering of the saints. Amen? Amen. I want to say just to be totally transparent, if you're watching online because you need to or because you want to, that's not a diss on you. Hello? And we don't believe in like geography in the Spirit. Like the Spirit is able, like they're not going to have a second. Can you just agree with me that everyone watching online is not going to have a second-rate encounter? 
that they're going to receive the power of God for their life today in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. So no, no judgment whatsoever. But I won't back down from this truth. We shall not forsake the gathering of one another. Ever. Ever. But we need to build a way for people to encounter Jesus together in their homes as well. Have common unity in our communities. Not just in this room. But when you leave this room, we need a common unity. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. So here's how we plan to do it. We plan on doing both because, meaning these gatherings and our, our life groups. We plan on doing both because the early church met, met in large gatherings and home to home. Did you know that? Acts 2, 46 through 47 says, day by day, attending the temple together, say the temple. I know you're the temple, but this is a picture of what our gathering, but the temple was more than you know, just a place where it was a gathering place, right? Attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes. Say and. And breaking bread in homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. How does that sound? Having favor with all the people sounds pretty good to me. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Say day by day. The only way that the Lord will add to those who are being saved day by day is if we meet in the temple and house to house. We need both. It's not an either-or conversation. It's a both-and. Are you with me? Okay, good. So let me give you my definition of community because this is important because we're leading this. I'm leading this church because God told me to, not because I'm necessarily the best person at it. I think there's people on my staff that are better at this than I am, but the Lord told me to do it, so I'm just saying yes. Amen? Amen? This, this, whatever. But because I'm leading it, I need you to know how we're going to lead these things, Okay. Because a community, you might think, like, group think, like, oh, we got to indoctrinate everybody, get everybody on the same page, all that stuff. It's not actually my goal. I don't care what page you're on. I care that you're in the same book. That's all I care about. Okay, some of you all get that at lunch. Here's my definition of the word community. I'm kidding. It's a group with diverse ways of thinking. Say diverse. It's a group with diverse ways of thinking Bound together by a single motive. A group of diverse thinkers bound together by a single motive. We need a diversity of thought and a singleness of heart. Okay, because unity is not doing the same thing as everyone else. That's not unity. Unity is not doing the same thing as everyone else. It's doing it with the same spirit. It's doing different things with the same heart. That's what unity is. It's not that we all look the same, sound the same, talk the same, do the same things. It's that we do it with the same motive, the same heart, that the lost will be found, the found will be free, and peace would reign in our city. It would be missional. Are you with me? That's the mission statement of our, our church. Because it's part, also part of our core values. Honoring everyone. Honor means to assign value. Say value. Yeah. It doesn't mean agreement. Okay? Like Jesus said it this way. Find one or two with whom you agree. Some of y'all don't even have that at your house. All right? Why are we trying to make... The church all agree on everything. He didn't say find 100 or 200 or 2,000 who agree and that'll be enough. He said find one or two with whom you agree. That'll be enough. So I'm not over here like, oh, we need to make sure everybody agrees. That's denominationalism. Do you know that? Like it's gathering around what we agree on. We're an apostolic family. We're not even in that mold, okay? I don't even know what you would peg us at. It's non-non-denominational. Uh, it's like post-denominational. I don't know. Like, I'm not even doing the denomination thing, okay? Jesus is the only reason we're all here, and I like it that way. We got people who look different, sound different, think different. Peep, peep, get this. People on my staff 
have theological disagreements with me. I still pay them. <laughs> Why? Because unity is not about doing the same thing, thinking the same way. It's doing it with the same spirit. I'm the only person I agree with 100% of the time. Okay? So when we talk about common unity, we talk about communities, we talk about life groups, they need to look vastly different. Some of y'all are going to study the Bible, like hardcore, strong concordance, all that stuff. That's great. Some of y'all are going to watch basketball. I would fall asleep. If I need to go to sleep, I watch basketball, okay? Like if I'm having trouble. It's so boring to me. Now you put a Buccaneers game on, and I'm freaking out, and you will see a truly alive individual, okay? And the Lord has sent from on high Tom Brady to deliver us a Super Bowl ring in Tampa Bay. Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> and you're like, that's so dumb. Sports ball. Sports. Did you watch your sports today? Like, that's fine. Some of y'all love to cook. I don't understand that. So many opportunities to let other people cook for you. All the way home, like six options. Like, you, every one of you will cook for me? You just need money? Oh, I'm into that. Like, some of y'all love to cook. I don't understand. Are you with me? We don't need... You, you know, universal thought or likeness, we need a universal heart, mission. We gather around the mission. That's why we say we're an apostolic family, because the mission is what makes us family. Are you with me? Okay. This is pictured and typified in the wilderness with the tabernacle, okay, where the Israelites are come, they've come out of Egypt, and now they're in the wilderness, and they set up a tabernacle for the presence of God, and they're encamped around it. I'm going to read this to, uh, to you out of the book of Numbers in just a second, but this is a prophetic picture, okay, of the church in the New Testament. It is, and uh, Romans 14, I believe it is, says that everything written beforehand is for our instruction, so that by it we might have hope. Did you hear that? Everything written beforehand. The Old Testament is super important. It's for our instruction, structure within, so that we can have hope. Let me help you. If you're reading the Old Testament and it doesn't give you hope, you're reading it wrong. Okay? You're like, why did God, why did God? Well, we don't look at the Old Testament to define God. We look at Jesus, who is the exact representation of God. And through that lens, we read the Old Testament. You need to get cross-eyed when you read the Old Testament. Okay? You need to look through the cross and see the truth. It will bring hope to your heart, I promise you. So if it's depressing you, you're not reading it through the right lens. You ask the Lord to help you. Amen? So all these things, these are called types and shadows, okay? Colossians uh, 1 says the, these things written before. The former things are types and shadows, but the substance belongs to Christ, okay? If you can see it, I'm putting a shadow on the back wall, right? The shadow is what's written in the Old Testament. It kind of gives you a picture, like you can imagine a shadow, right? The source has always been the same. It's light, the source has always been the same, but Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. He be, the, the source became substance. And now we can see clearly, not just a shadowy figure, but the truth in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? You following me? Okay, so the substance, the real thing is found in Christ, but these are shadows, types and shadows that we need to understand by revelation. So let's read Numbers chapter 1, 1 through 4. Don't worry. Uh, I am preaching out of the book of Numbers, but I took out all the numbers. All right, we're not going to read a bunch of, if you know what the book of Numbers is, and you're like, oh my gosh, really? It's going to be the most boring sermon ever. I did you a favor. I cut out all the boring parts. I just left the meat in there. Say, thank you, Caleb. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Numbers chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Say wilderness. 
Some of y'all are mad about your wilderness, but the wilderness is the place of speaking. The word wilderness in Hebrew literally means to speak. This is where God speaks. If you like you're in a wilderness, you're about to get a word. Posture your heart for it. Make sure your ears are turned on, right? So Numbers chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, the Lord spoke to Moses in the place of speaking, the wilderness of Sinai. Are you with me? In the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names, every male head by head. That's a summary of what's about to happen in the book of Numbers. Just a bunch of numbers about Israel's tribes and how many and this and all that stuff, okay? Some of y'all read it, you know? It's, it's really exciting stuff. Really exciting. Page turner. You turn the page quickly because you're like, really? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, bad joke. It's inspired of the Lord, and therefore it's helpful. It's instruction. Amen? All right. I don't want anybody getting mad at me on Facebook. Uh, for, uh, take every male head by head from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war. Say, able to go to war. You and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, shall list them company by company, and there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each being the head of the house. Say, head of the house. Of his fathers. That's Numbers 1, one through 4. Let's talk about some of the pictures here. Are you guys okay? I know I'm going fast. I have very limited time. The wilderness is a picture of our world, okay? How many know that we are foreigners and strangers? How many know before you're American, your kingdom? Your kingdom needs to inform your American, not your American inform your kingdom, okay? End political rant. Take that with you into the election. Kingdom first, then American. Okay? All right. Um, I want to go, but I'm not going to. We're tabernacling in the wilderness of the world, right? You know, this, this life is short. You know, you're an eternal being that's temporarily in a tent. Okay? You're, a ter- you're an eternal being in a temporal, temporal vessel. You're going to shed this vessel one day, but you're going to continue. And where you continue is up to what you do now in the vessel the vessel. Are you with me? Like, hell is real, y'all. If it's not, then what were you saved from? How are you saved if there's nothing to be saved from? If you're not rescued from something, you're not rescued. If heaven is real, so is hell. I love your faces. They're the best, especially when it gets quiet. just makes me want to sing. It does. Like, hallelujah. That's what I want to say. We're strangers and aliens here. We're going to continue on. Are you with me? This life is a breath. It's quick. It's nothing. Just bang. Here today, gone tomorrow. The Bible talks all about it. So we also are tabernacling. You know, all of your stuff you own, someone else will own it eventually. You're just a steward. You don't actually own anything. It's all God's, and you just manage it for a little while while you're here. <laughs> You're like, I don't need a house. Well, unless God needs you to steward a house. I don't need a nice car. A nice car. Well, unless God needs you to steward a nice car. Hello? It's what is God calling you to steward? And you need to have that eternal mindset. Are you with me? All right. If you didn't listen to Jim Baker's message last week, you need to go back and listen to it. That will say everything I'm trying to say right now. So this picture is the, is the Israelites in the wilderness. It's also us in the world. Are you following me? You see that same picture? Okay, 
They were, they were counting of those able to go to war. So these were the men trained for physical battles. But we know that now in the new covenant, we do not wage war against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the heavenly realms, right? Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not fleshly, right? But they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, right? Yeah, good. You're reading your Bibles. I like it. All right? Now listen. If your war is not against flesh and blood, then you're not your own worst enemy. People are turning their guns on themselves saying, I'm the problem. Your war isn't against flesh and blood. It also means people aren't your problem. They're your opportunity to grow. Your boss, your spouse, your in-laws, none of them are your problem because you're not warring against flesh and blood. Are you with me? These were the ones trained to go to war. They were the physically violent. What we're looking for in the new covenant is the spiritually violent. It says that the kingdom advances and the violent take it by force. That's right. I'm not talking about volume of your prayer. I'm talking about the violence of your prayer. I'm not talking about a personality type. I'm talking about the passionate desire to see the lost found. To see your family free. See them well. Are you with me? You want to see some spiritually violent people? Call a prayer meeting. Let all the women show up and listen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And let me just a little side note here. Like, single ladies, let me help you, especially single moms and stuff. Really single moms watching online here, whatever. Listen, the man, according to the nuclear family, is supposed to be the head of the house. But if he ain't there, it's you. And that's righteous. And if God has allowed that to happen in your life, he will equip you for it. Go to war for your kids. Amen? Amen. Needed to say that. So those who were able to go to war were leading these different tribes, right, that they counted out, that they separated company by company, and it was according to the family heads, which is family line, or we could say the word tribe, okay? So there's the large group of Israel, and then there's the tribes within the tribes, right? There's those who will watch Buccaneers football with me and be happy about it. And there are those who would hate that kind of life group or whatever, right? Are you with me? Like, you need to be okay with finding people that you do have something in common with. It's not like, oh, I don't need to agree with anyone. I need to find all the people I disagree with and try to hang out. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not going to work out. I don't do that. It's not fun if you do that. Just letting you know, all right? It's about understanding that there are passions and desires and ways of thinking within the larger group that are good. And you should find people who are with you in your season of life. Come on. I'm a, I'm a, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I can't hang out with y'all singles a lot of times, all right? I just can't. Because who's going to watch my kids? If I bring my kids, you'll be angry, all right? It's just like, <laughs> hello? Some of y'all are beyond that. You have grown kids, and you're like, you're remembering those days, and you have sympathy. Amen? We're all in different seasons of life, right? We need to find our tribe within the tribe. Yes? It's so important because different parts of the body do different things, right? If the whole body were an eye, how would it smell? If your whole a mouth, how would it hear, right? Are you with me? And the Levites specifically in this situation were the priesthood. Say the priesthood. I know I'm going a, a lot at you right now. Are you guys okay? Okay. The priesthood. And the Levites were set apart as that priesthood on the day the law was given. All right? It was a pretty messy thing. We're talking about violence here. 
We're talking about spiritually violent, okay? Exodus 32, if you want to read it, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. It was where the Levites were called by Moses, said, all you who are for God, come to me. And they came out from among everybody acting really wickedly. I'm not going to go into what they were doing, because honestly, it's not PG, and I don't want to make any, any parents angry or, or online people. So it was bad what they were doing. They were doing wicked stuff, and the Levites were not choosing to be a part of that. They came out, and Moses said, take a sword, go through the camp, killing your brothers, sisters, mothers, friends. 3,000 people died by the sword that day. It was the day the law was given, the tablets. Aren't you grateful for the new covenant? Anybody? Uh, yeah, me too, right? On the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up, gives a message, and 3,000 come to the Lord. Why? Because the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. That's the spiritual violence I'm talking about. Are you with me? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors were all typified. The shadow is the Levitical tribe. Okay, those who are supposed to work in church. How many know about 95% of y'all are not supposed to work at a church? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's so important, man. We got this idea that, like, the highest form of spirituality is my job. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Or going to Africa on a mission trip. Are you kidding me? No, the highest form of spirituality is doing whatever you do with kindness, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. Please, please, if you're called to plumbing, don't go to Africa. <laughs> we would all be in really big trouble. And if you are called to plumbing, please do it by word of knowledge. Save me on the bill and save you some grief. Like, find out where it is by the Spirit and just handle it. All right? Instead of having to figure it out the long way around. <laughs> Just trying to paint a picture for you. A fun picture about toilets and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway. But the Levites typify the church worker, the pastors, the, the teachers, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Are you with me? Yes? Okay. So the Levites, Numbers chapter 1, verse 47 through 50, the Levites were not listed among, along with them, the rest of the Israelite tribe, by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and its furnishings, and they shall take care of it and shall encamp around the tabernacle. Are you following this? They were the ones who took care of the church. Have you ever been a part of a mobile church? This is that, all right? It was a set-up, tear-down tent that when the presence left, they'd tear it down, put it in the trailer, drive it over there. Jimmy would open it at 8 a.m. on Monday morning or Sunday morning, and I'd sit there and get tired watching him do it, all right? Like, that's how we started. We did the set-up church, and I just was over it. I'm grateful for a building. Hallelujah. We're not tabernacling that way. Amen. Amen. That's just me. Just where I'm at. The Lord knew I needed it. So they were hosting the presence of God wherever they went in this temporary tent. Are you following me? And they were in charge of the tent. All right. This should be. Now, listen to me. If you feel called to lead a church or to be a church leader of any kind, this should be your only goal to host the presence of God so that others can camp around it. That should be your only goal. Now, listen to me. Just because I said not all of you are called to, to work in church doesn't mean we're not to serve one another. All right? Some are called to church. Some are called to Wall Street. But all are called to serve one another in love. Are you with me? That doesn't mean you can't serve here, things like that. Like some people might weaponize this. I'm not called to the church, so 
The kids will have to just babysit themselves. I don't know. No, that's not an appropriate way to hear what I'm saying. Are you with me? So I see this as a picture. And there's an amazing thing that happened. How, do you, how many of you have heard of the cloud by day, fire by night? You heard that? Say it with me. Cloud by day, fire by night. This is a really cool part of Scripture, right? Numbers 9, verse 15. I've skipped all the counting part. We went from chapter 1, chapter 2, number 9. Yeah, anyway. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle and the tent of the testimony. And at evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. This is crazy. This is the Hebrew word for nimbus cloud. If you know anything about that, it's like billowing thunderclouds, like dark, big, smoky clouds. It says on the day that the tabernacle was set up, this big cloud came in, big thundercloud, just right over top of it. All right. And at night, it lit on fire. All right. What's the takeaway here? You couldn't miss the presence in the wilderness. I mean, this big, fiery pillar thing on top of, in the middle of a million people. Okay? Crazy. The presence of God was easily seen in the wilderness with Israel. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. If we follow the presence of God and we set up camp around it, metaphorically speaking, right, we also, it will also be easily seen on us that we're people of the presence. Peter's shadow, Acts 5, 14 through 16, if you want to read it. Acts 5, 14 through 16. Peter's shadow healed people. They, they saw Peter go into prayer to the temple, and they laid the sick on the street so that when he walked by, his shadow would cross over them. They'd get well. That's a carrier of the presence. Oh, but that was just Bible time. Okay, a guy named Charles Finney, 1826. Charles Finney was an, a revivalist. He was an evangelist. He walked into a factory in New York in 1826, and as he's walking in, he's, just, he's got a meeting that night, so he's hanging out, and he's just walking in the factory, just walked in. And as he gets closer to the workers, this one lady starts weeping. And he's just walking down the aisle, and they all start weeping. Eventually, the whole factory, the entire thing, is weeping under the presence of God and repenting out loud, confessing their sins to one another. And the factory owner said, stop the mill and let the people attend to religion, for it is more important that our souls should be saved than this factory run. That's a historical fact. A revival broke out because a man walked into a building. That's someone carrying the presence. It's a couple hundred years ago. Like, it's not all for Bible times, y'all. You're in Bible times. The Bible says your life should be a, a living epistle, read for all men. Where's the epistle of Samuel? The epistle of Stephen, of Pete. Come on. Of Sandy, of Jill. Like, let your life be read. Some of you, your life is the only Bible people will ever read. Okay. That was the Levites. The rest of the tribe were called to encamp around the presence. Let's jump back to Numbers chapter 2. Because it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, The people of Israel shall encamp by his own standard, say standard, with the banners of their father's house. They shall camp facing the tent, say facing the tent. Facing the tent of meeting on every side. Now this is a crazy strategy for the wilderness, y'all. Uh, you know, all the bad guys, put your back to them. <laughs> and the presence is, is what's going to have your attention. They're in the wilderness like lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my, like that. Like, they don't know what's coming from where. And the Lord commands them, just, just put your back to all that and face the presence. This is about having our cultural identity 
in the presence of God. The one thing that unites us, our common unity, is the presence of God, the person of love. Okay? And you always look like what you look at. Spiritual principles, 2 Corinthians 3 says, as we behold him as in a mirror, we're transformed into the same image. Let me help you. Whatever you behold in a mirror, you're transformed into the same image. You've seen people with their dogs for like 30 years, you know, how they look the same as the dog. You've seen those pictures? It's just the truth. It's just the truth. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen that meme on Facebook? Yeah. They spend a lot of time in their face like, oh, he's just a boy. They're like right there. And all of a sudden, their hair is looking the same, their bone structure for some reason. I don't know how it works. But you look like what you look at. You're watching angry newscasters all the time. Guess what's on your face, man? <laughs> They're to face the presence of God, encamped around it. Now, this word standard is really important. It says they raised a standard, and it's the Hebrew word that means banner. Like the, Think of a, like lifting a banner on a pole. And the root of this word is amazing. It means up or to look or to behold or get this. This word, raise a standard, it's to flaunt. Flaunt it, <laughs> that you're a child of the Most High. <laughs> flaunt that you belong to the family of God. It's literally what it says. It, get this. You can also define that word standard as the Hebrew word for conspicuous. Get conspicuous about your Christianity. Conspicuous means standing out as to be clearly visible, attracting notice or attention. Easily seen. I don't want the spotlight. Well, he commands you to have it. Oh, let me help you. You are the spotlight. You are the light of the world. Huh. It's false humility. It says, I, I don't want to stand up and be noticed because I don't want to steal the Lord's glory. You ain't that cool, bro. <laughs> it's impossible. You know what the highest form of arrogance is? Telling God he's wrong. He said, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen. Raise a standard. Get conspicuous. We need to raise the standard of our communities by raising the standard of our tribe. We need to set up family groups to wave the banner of God's family. Our common unity is the presence of love. God is love, and that's what we will camp around. It's time to raise the standard of love in our communities. I'm going to have Gigi come up. I don't see her, so someone might have to go find her. But I'm going to have her come up because we're going to respond to this word. And we're going to decide in our hearts if we're going to be obedient children. Because listen, this is great. We have four gatherings on a weekend, and they're all they're getting full. All right, during a pandemic. I, I don't understand it, but whatever. Right? This is great, but this is just a temple. We need to be house to house as well. Let me tell you why. Let me show you one more reason. Because remember in the book of Acts, day by day, they would be adding to their number, right? Right? That's because they were in the temple and house to house. That's how it's day by day. Check this out. In Numbers 9, verse 15, when it says, on the day the tabernacle was set up, the fire fell. Well, that's after all the families were set up. Okay, so here's what it's saying. It says, it wasn't until the tabernacle was set up and the families raised the standard of, of their house that all of God's instructions were complete. When the tabernacle was set up and the families raised the standard and said, here we are. This is who we are. That's when fire fell. The same thing's about to happen. 
but we have to steward the call of God. We have to steward the understanding that we need to raise the standard. Instead of complaining about the condition of your communities, why don't you take the common unity you have with one another and raise a standard? Raise the standard. I'm not talking about getting super political and taking every seat on the HOA board and all stuff. Here's what I'm talking about. When someone in your neighborhood is in a crisis, they know what door to knock on. Someone in your block needs money. They know who to go to. Why? Because you're blessed to be a blessing. This is what I mean by raise the standard. It's time to stop hiding in our homes and calling it humility. Some of y'all don't even know your neighbor's names. I don't mind saying this straight on the nose for you. That's a tragedy. I love you enough to tell you. The least you can do is find out their name and pray for them. I'm not even saying knock on the door every Monday with cookies and say, have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not saying that. I'm saying with your heart, be obedient to the Lord. Whatever your personality type, whatever you're doing, it's time to raise the standard. I mean, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be on driveways. It's going to be on front lawns. It's going to be around the table that people come to know the Lord. I got that. I know this because I heard the Lord. And I'm not this guy. I'm not the guy that's like, thus saith the Lord. I'm not that guy, okay? Sometimes it happens. I can count on my one hand how many times that's happened. This is one of those times. Everything I've said before this, I want to be very clear, is just me following the Lord and reading the scripture to you and trying to share something that will help you. But what I'm about to read you word for word, I got from God. God spoke this in my ear this week, okay? If you need a definition, inner audible. It wasn't like Caleb. You know, it wasn't out here. It was just, but I know it was God. Are you with me? This is what the Lord, he said, write this down and make it plain. I don't talk like that, so I started scrambling for something to write with. I'm like, oh, my God. I heard the Lord say, write this down and make it plain. Fire is about to fall on Tampa. Only those who have the people engaged with the presence will steward it well. And the standard of their homes must be raised so as to receive the harvest. It won't. It won't only be about the buildings that you gather in, though that will remain. It will be homes filled with encounters that lead people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and his love. Homes filled with encounters that will lead people into a saving knowledge. I heard about Jesus. Do you know him? That's going to happen on the, in the driveway. It's going to happen at your table, on your couch, if you choose this day to raise a standard. It's the only way this is going to happen. Heaven will judge us how well we believe the word of the Lord. Time will tell. If there's a harvest in Tampa of thousands coming to the Lord, it's because we believe the Lord. If it's not, it's because we didn't step up to the plate. Line in the sand, man, I'm telling you, I heard the Lord. He said, this is the only way the harvest is coming in. They're not going to come through those doors. They're going to come through yours. And you need to be ready to receive them. You're like, I'm not qualified. The one inside of you is. Just listen, obey. Listen, obey.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. If you're looking for more, check out thejesuslab.com. The Jesus Lab is a nine-month facilitated encounter with the finished work of Christ, and applications are open now. Check it out at thejesuslab.com.